RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Angela Hare lives in Hastings and is a homeopath and intentional grace practitioner. That's right, intentional grace practitioner. She trained in psychology and practiced classical homeopathy for 10 years before learning intentional grace and adapting the system to find effective solutions for a wide range of physical, emotional, and spiritual health issues. Angela is a member of Fluoride Free Hastings. Today, she joins us to talk about her research on how fluoride accumulates in the blood of elderly people who have lived in Hastings for most of their lives. And Angela here is with us. Morning, Angela. Thanks for coming on. Kilda. I want to get into the fluoride in just a moment because um, we've talked a lot about that, and personally, I'm very much against it being in the water. That's just me. Intentional grace, though, that instantaneously got my attention. Is that what it sounds, kind of? Yeah, yeah. So it's working with the universal energy field that surrounds the earth and that we can tap into. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Mm -hmm. Actually feel it? What does it feel like? Um, Well, I feel it through the people that I'm testing. So it's a way to be able to tune into a person's energy field and find out whether they're vibrant and full on or whether they're flat. And and then we invite their um, field of information to help them to find the right remedy. Right. So in the old days, we called that God. Okay. But it might still These be God. These days, we call it the universal energy field. It might still be God, though. It might still be God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is this this whole thing about high and low vibrational states? Yes, yes. And that's what you're working with, with homeopathy. So, so you're working yep. with the energy field. So fear is a low vibrational state. This is how I understand it anyway, and I'm sure it's once over lightly. Kind of love and lack of fear is a higher vibrational state. Well, we certainly feel better when we're in love than we do when we're in fear, don't we? Yeah. There, <laughs> in that case, there, um, there there seems to have been quite a disconnect. People have been disconnected from, or have they been? People always kind of have an extra sense about things, don't they, that's kind of non-physical? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I had the most fascinating experience when I was in hospital Um, I've had three brain operations for a pineal tumor that's in the center of my brain. And um, after one of the operations, I just couldn't sleep. I was receiving all this information coming in through my brow. So it's through your brow chakra. So the the physicists say we have like a cell tower on our crown, and we've got one through here, and we've got one through our heart. And this is where the information from the universal energy field comes into us. So when you're in a situation where people are sending you lots of love and prayer and, you know, these loving thoughts, your whole um, energy field lights lights up. But when so, you're trying to sleep, yep. it, it, you know, you don't want that. You actually want to be able to go... <laughs> Shut well, your down. body shuts down for maintenance, really, while you're asleep in a way, doesn't it? That's right. Well, what I discovered in hospital was if I took paracetamol, which the nurses, of course, brought in every four hours, 
I could make that area go black. Really? Yep. Um, it's interesting. So people, because I got a friend of mine overseas after I had my heart quadruple bypass, he said, I'm going to be sending you, and he had a particular name for it, and I forget the name for it, uh, but um, I'm going to be sending you these sort of thoughts, and they will help you to recover. But uh-huh. you've got to you you've got to accept that I'm doing that, and and not so much believe it, but just accept that I'm doing that and uh-huh. be open to it. And I said, look, I'll take anything I can get. Well, you know, it was a a pretty good recovery. But what it got me thinking is, obviously, if someone um, specifically what targets a person somehow, some way, that information through this incredibly complex fields of everything will actually get to that person. Yes, absolutely. Which is. And- That's what happens with people that you're very close to. You suddenly get this message, oh, I better give such and such a ring. And they were picking up the phone on the other end of the line. Yeah, it's happened to me a few times. Many people have had that. So those channels, we're going to get to fluoride in a moment, just don't (laughs) worry. Um, Those channels then are always open. Yes, unless we choose to shut them down. And how would we choose to do that? I mean, there's taking well, paracetamol as I and said, taking that way. paracetamol will shut them down. Yeah. Or we can just um, have an intention that we don't want to receive that information. So why? Okay, here's, an, here's a question. So over the last three years, we all know what's happened. And a lot of us were hoping our fellow citizens would just kind of see some sort of light. And we were really hoping. I don't know. Well, I, I was even thinking of individual people in in you know thinking expressing that to myself but it it didn't seem to get through mm-hmm. why would that be just not being not not receptive to it at the other end is is that what it is that that's a whole other subject for a talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought it would be let's not go there <laughs> yeah okay but we hopefully we can sometime at some time uh, i'd be happy to talk about it <laughs> okay um to the fluoride in my notes here, I've got information that you were – were you fed fluoride tablets as a child? Yeah, so I didn't know – well, I did know that I had fluoride tablets as a child because I remember going to the bathroom sink and a bathroom cupboard and, and eating them. You know, they were quite yummy. Tiny little ones, weren't they? And they're sort of yeah, powdery once you ones. crunch them. I used to F- have them. Yeah. F-tabs, yeah. Yeah, okay. But um, it was when I was leading the campaign to get rid of fluoride out of our water in Hastings, and we had a big referendum. So um, that year, my mother sent me my Plunkett book, and I was absolutely amazed to see that I'd been given them since the age of five months. Really? Yeah. That's really young. Yeah, incredibly young. So my so mum must have been sold with- on the whole thing. Your mother must have really been sold on the fluoride well, I think it was, oh, and you yeah. know, I was born in the early 1960s and the whole fluoride experiment had happened in 1954 in Hastings. So it was fresh, yep. Yeah, so people knew about it and all the, the rural people, because I was a rural baby, they all wanted it as well. Yeah, like the town <laughs> And so is, they, yeah, you know, yeah. these these good mothers like my mother gave all their babies these fluoride tablets. But now these tablets are not even available for sale. Why not? Because they're dangerous. But we put them in the water. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're certainly not given to five-month-old babies. No. 
So that was just the sort of like the afterglow of what uh, felt like. And of course, people always used to have problem problems back then with their dental health. That that felt like a sort of like a breakthrough. So everyone was all in. Yes. Seems to me that that's what happened. And also, we didn't then have all of this research that we have now about the toxicity of fluoride. Do you, was there a downside for you in, in well, starting on them so young, taking, taking them? For how long were you taking the tablets? Well, I can remember it. So I was still six or seven, eight yeah. when I was taking them. I, I remember the same. We're probably similar yeah. age, and I remember yeah. the same. Uh, though I don't think I started that young. Do you think there's any be, been any downside that you can notice in you from that? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's called a pineal gland um, intermediate differentiation tumour. That's what you were just telling us about. Mm. Okay, explain that a bit more. So in uh, 2014, I was at a dance camp. I like going and singing and dancing. And I was getting, um, when I was turning around in circles, I was um, getting very, and I was sent off to, um, I had been sent off by my neurologist the year before to have an MRI scan. And that was because um, I'd had some flappy symptoms. So my feet had gone like this. And every time I stood up or sat down, I felt a bit woozy. And I also had, um, whenever I got really hot, I would need to go and lie down. And that was all signs of hydrocephalus. So that's swelling in the brain. Wow. Okay. And that, um, when we finally got a diagnosis and they did an MRI scan, they found this tumor that's sort of about the size of a marble sitting okay. right in the middle of my brain. That, that's quite a size, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's quite significant. It completely okay. blocked all my neuroplumbing. <laughs> yes. Okay, so you weren't you weren't sort of receiving the field the info field so well. Is that what you say? Well, I was I was not draining the water. It's just Oh, okay. Right. That's that's get out of the, the But what um, what does that gland do though? What's it responsible for? It, it's responsible for our um, our clock. Oh, okay. So it's actually got iron. It's a fascinating little gland. It's got iron in it, and it's what helps birds to go across the globe along the magnetic lines. That's a quantum it's, physics yeah. phenomenon, actually, because I've read about how birds navigate, and it's it's a quantum they think it's a quantum physics process not not anything obvious actually something very quite complicated well if it's got um, iron in it which is magnetic then of course it can follow them they can follow the magnetic um, yeah. lines around the earth but it for me it was um, it, it meant that I lost my brain I just became quite la la oh dear gee yeah the whole brain got filled up with water. And I had to have these brain operations to try and get the water to, to drain away. So is it quite deep inside the brain? It's right in the very centre. How do you get to it then? <laughs> well, you don't. Very That's carefully. The whole thing. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I spoke to two surgeons and um, you know, one in Europe, one in New Zealand, and they both said we don't want to go in there and try and 
take it out because you'll end up a cripple. So I okay. didn't want the risk. So what, what was it? Um, radiotherapy was the option, was it? Yes, they gave me radiation. The very first night I had, I was absolutely screaming in pain because all of the meninges around my brain were inflamed. Yeah. And fortunately, a homeopathic friend of mine knew about a remedy that um, was made out of a persimmon tree that survived Nagasaki in 1945. Oh, really? The, from the actual tree? Yeah. So it was made from this tree. And yeah. as soon as I took this homeopathic medicine, the pain stopped. That's Boy, that would get your attention, wouldn't it, eh? <laughs> yeah, it certainly did. Did you tell the, the relevant, uh, you know, um, specialists, yeah, hey, by the way? Not interested. Not oh, interested. Crikey, here we go no. again. Yeah. All yeah. right, so you, you've kind of come through that now and back to where you should be, I, I hope. Yes. Yeah, I'm back working. I've still got a tumour in my head, but I've just worked with lots of different things to get myself well. Okay, and you're pretty confident about that, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Tell me about your research on fluoride accumulation in the blood of elderly people who have lived in Hastings for most of their lives. Because in the end, I mean, the the argument on this is still so sort of difficult that unless you've got something that slaps someone as hard as you can in the face, they don't want to know. That's right, yeah. So what have you found? So in 2013, when we had this referendum, and the Ministry of Health had $50,000 to convince everybody that the yes vote was the right one. And we had a budget of $6,000 to convince everyone that no was the right thing to do. Yeah. So the referendum um, ended up that uh, people voted for yes, of course, for right. continued fluoridation. Yeah, well, 50K's worth of persuasion is, is, yeah. is more than 6K. Yeah. Exactly. However... It brought a whole lot of supporters together, or a few supporters together anyway. And yeah. I asked them all to go off and have a fluoride blood test because I wanted to know, are we being impacted by this fluoride in the water? And we got 13 people that had the test done. Two of them had levels that were five or above. Now, the, the acceptable level is between 0.2 and 2. Okay. And the ideal is one. Right. Right. So we've had two, these two elderly people who've lived all their years in Havelock North, and they were both almost six, five or six times higher than what they should be. So the one that had um, the level of five, she had had a thyroid condition since 1956. So that was yeah. two years after the fluoride went into her water. Okay. And she didn't know that it was caused by fluoride. And she spent then the next 45 years or so trying to sort out this problem that she on, had. On medications all that time, I Yeah, all that sort of thing. Yep. And then eventually when we did the test and she realized that it was fluoride, she then stopped all sources of fluoride. So they started going and collecting water from a water fountain that's not fluoridated. She yep. stopped all sources of tea. She stopped having fluoridated toothpaste, and within five months, her level had dropped down to 2.6. Okay. So yep. that's pretty impressive. Halved. Halved, yeah. Yep. 
And when the fluoride was finally taken out of the Hastings water during the gastro bug of 2016, um, her thyroid totally normalized. So when she had no more fluoride, she became normal. So that was the first woman. And the second woman was a a lovely um, lady who had been a very active person in Havelock North. She had run her own business. She'd gone tramping every Wednesday. She'd, you know, just had a full life. And she was in her early 80s when she did the test. And she did it because I'd been working with her for four or five years. And we'd been trying to bring down this inflammation she always had. She had intense bone pain. And her whole spine had collapsed. Oh dear. So she had a hernia and that had impacted all her bowel and her digestion and everything. So she was she was in a lot of pain. But the very strange thing about it was that whenever she went to a hospital, her inflammation would stop. Oh, okay. It wasn't just the drugs they were giving her. <laughs> yeah. It was Lawrence Yule, the mayor of Hastings, who told me that the the Hastings Hospital is not fluoridated. Oh, okay. Well, that's a that's an immediate reaction to a change of circumstance. Immediate. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the reason they don't do that is because anyone with a kidney condition cannot tolerate fluoride, and it'll actually kill them. So if you're on dialysis, nice. you get, you get yeah. sent water that is not fluoridated. Well, that's that's a screaming, ringing alarm bell right there, isn't it? Isn't it? Why would isn't you put it? that in the frickin' public water supply if you knew that? If you're not going to put it in your hospital and give it to your doctors and your Well, that means that there are some problems and they know about it. That's right, yeah. Okay, so th- I take it that, that uh, fluoridation hasn't returned. Not yet, but the, the Ministry of Health has, de- has declared that Hastings has to put it back in again and they'll be fined $200,000 oh, yeah. yeah, if they don't and $10,000 every week. Yeah. And um, they've se- spent a phenomenal amount of money building these huge water tanks right next door to the Hastings um, District Council and this display unit showing all the fluoride and the chlorine going into the water. I mean, it's a phenomenal... Why the hell have they done that? I really don't know. Why are they showing off? It sounds like they're showing off. Yeah, seems to me like that too. Well, while not reading the room. Okay, so... um, And it was meant to go back on the 30th of June and they missed that deadline. Okay. So it's still not in there at the moment. We're... Yeah, so there's a, these heavy-handed sort of tactics to force local bodies into um, fluoridating their water, 200K, 10K a day. Um, why do you think they're, they're so determined? This is the question I ask everyone, you know, in talking about this. They're like possessed of it. It's like they're being possessed, these people. Mm. Mm. Why? Can we explain that? Um, th- t- there's a saving face aspect. Yeah, that but they, that's okay if you're not damaging people's health. They don't want to be seen health. to have egg on their face. 
Yeah, but you can't you can't avoid egg on your face while damaging people's health at the same time. I'm That's sorry, right. it kind of doesn't work. I wouldn't have thought. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Um, the other aspect is that you have to follow the money. Oh, and okay. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that it's either the aluminium industry or the um, fertilizer companies that are paying off someone. In the Ministry of Health? I don't know. I really don't know. the ones who are forcing this. Ashley Bloomfield, I think, was yeah. heavying Somewhere councils. there's got to be some money in this because why else would they be putting up poison into our water? What about that um, whole thing with the um, toxicology trials in the USA? Yes. And, I mean, we've known about... Um, that for months and months now, and it seems that at the very least there's an IQ drop involved, depending on how young you take um, or consume water with fluoride in it. But that's been totally disregarded here. It's like it doesn't even exist. That's right. However, um, it is going to court, and that's on the 31st of January. So by um, the 14th of Feb, it'll all be over and we'll have a decision. So let's hope that, that that our government now has an excuse to say, well, actually, you know, the research shows that it's not safe to put in our water, so we're not going to do that anymore. Even if the research says it's safe, isn't there an underlying fundamental principle before we even get to that? And that is with something as basic as the water supply, remember, only three days without water and you're dead, mm. that um, compulsorily medicating people in that way um, is actually everything is wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. But no one seems to get that. Well, not many people, anyway, official. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, not many of us get it, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, so how how do you think that'll go? Well, I think it'll they're, – they're very hopeful that it'll, it'll fall on the, um, the no fluoridation side. Is there um, is there a local sort of uh, opportunity to have a say, or are we just relying on councillors here? Um, no, the 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 only way that decision making around this issue happens now is with the Ministry of Health, right? So when that decision, oh, so comes, they have to buckle. Yeah, yes, they've got to to be courageous enough to say. They've, it's been through a big trial in the USA. We've heard both sides of the, of the argument, and the research is now showing that fluoride in the water is not a good idea. They won't do We're that. We're going to be courageous enough as a Ministry of Health to stop this, just like we did. We stopped thalidomide in the 1960s. They're not going to do that, I'm sorry to say, Angela. <laughs> they won't do that. They've got too much invested in it. And they have to, uh, and people, well-known people have to admit that they are totally wrong. Then they'll have to answer questions why you're poisoning us. Um, well, you know, they could they could just use the infrastructure to put rescue remedy into the water. I'm thinking contraceptives. Oh, no. no well, we then let's deal with babies. all the problems. We want our babies. Oh, yeah, rescue well, remedy when we have another cyclone, Gabrielle, would be No, good. but we can't have no. an overpopulated world, Angela, so it's time to put the <laughs> – in, in the, I mean, that's how crazy it is. Why? Yeah, okay, so you hope that the Ministry of Health has some uh, come-to-Jesus moment, but what about the local council? 
Why don't they just say, go stick your 200K where the sun don't shine. If you come here for $10,000 a day, we're going to kick you off the premises, rack off, don't want to hear from you again. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, if people don't comply, it doesn't happen, right? That's right. Absolutely. And unfortunately, they see that referendum as binding referendum. Oh, binding. Yeah. So that, that creates a problem for us in Hastings. Was it sold as a binding referendum, though? Yes, apparently. Yes. Well, never sell But then it was binding. only 25% of people voted. Okay, well, then and that means nothing, actually. Yeah, it means nothing. That's what I think, too. Okay, how much damage do you think fluoride is doing to the population of New Zealand, really? How big is it? It must be huge, actually. Well, if out of 13 people you get five people who are over the limit and two of those who have extreme health effects, then that's... Something's going. Something's happening. Yeah, that's a big part of the population. And how come dementia has grown so much? Well, that's right. This is, you know, one of the big aspects of fluoride that um, we can we know is contributing to dementia. Well, no, nothing else makes sense. Not using your brain enough doesn't quite make sense to me mm. because there are people who sit around and never use their brain. They don't get dementia. It's got to be some environmental factor, surely. Yes, absolutely. And there aren't too many. Well, there's vaccinations, there's fluoride, and there's glyphosate. Yeah, that's three. And there's mercury. Mercury's one as well. Oh, and mercury as well, from teeth. Yes, another dental. And um, and too much uh, canned seafood too, probably. Okay, tell me about your new book before we finish our chat. Yeah, so um, I started writing an autobiography once I got my brain back after my third uh, brain operation. Yeah, And initially it was called The Art of Care. And then I thought I was a bit arrogant to think that I knew anything about The Art of Care. So I called it Enriching the Art of Care. Okay, yeah. And I wrote um, 21 chapters, and it was stories about um, my experience with the brain tumour, but also a whole lot of case histories. And then I decided I didn't really want a big book, so I've split it in half. So the first book is coming out as Key Flowers. That's the title of it, and it's a homeopathic transformation. And Key Flowers is the thing that makes you most passionate in your life. So it opens up a big cave of riches for you. Yeah. You've not got to... necessarily financial riches. No, no, of course, of course not. In fact, that's usually the least of, of the riches. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, key flowers. Okay, well, yeah, how do you know what, what the most – or to be most passionate about? How do you know? Well, for me, um, and this is all based on a, a story that my grandfather told me when we were kids, right? Oh, wow. Okay, Go what's searching that? for your key flower, and it would open up this big cave of riches for you. And in the key – and if you got into the key – into the cave – there'd be an elf there which would jump out and tell you not to forget the most important thing. And, of course, the most important thing was not the gold and silver and and, um, that was stuffed into your pocket, but it was actually your key flower. So you had to go looking for your, searching for your key flower. And for me, I went to university, I did psychology, I got married, I had children, and all these 
I went mountaineering and experienced what it was like to climb in the high mountains of Pakistan. Way to go. Wow. You know, I just did all these adventures. And it was eventually my daughter having a very bad reaction to a vaccine when she, when she was vaccinated in 1989. Right. Now, Hillary Butler, who has part of the Immuno, um, Immune Awareness Society, she said in that year there was a faulty batch of the vaccine. And certainly my daughter, after her vaccinating, uh, after her vaccination, she became white, cold, and basically I had to put her on my body to rewarm her. Gee. Yeah. And her brain started to shut down from that moment. And how did I know it was that? Because 20 years later, when she wanted to go to university, um, I started giving her the homeopathic medicine made out of the that particular vaccine. And her brain just switched on. Every week, she said she could feel wow. like little electrical shocks going on in her brain. And finally, after 12 weeks, that stopped. And she ended up getting a triple major at university from a kid that had had couldn't do maths at school and dropped out at 16. So this was what led me to homeopathy, my experiences with her. Yeah, you're probably on the road to that. You're not quite aware where it's kind of heading at the time, maybe. I had no idea, but I did know that I didn't want to be a psychologist. Right. You know, I, I, re I went to Templeton out in um, Canterbury, I saw the terrible way that people were treated out there, and I just thought, no, nah, this is not for me. So, it's again, it's that gut, gut feeling, that intuition, which is the right way to go. Do you go that way or do you go that way? It's always yeah. a yes, no answer. You know, it's yeah. not complicated. you, you, you got to think about it, though, don't you? you got to sort of kind of try and feel it. You've got to try and feel it. And yeah. listen to your voice. Yeah. Are you being drawn this way or are you being drawn that way? I'm seeing a lot of advertising around the town I'm in, uh, local university advertising for their psychology um, degree. And the people that are putting in the ads are all young kind of wokes. So I'm thinking, good luck with that. <laughs> well, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd like go and lie on that couch. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah. I think um, going to visit a homeopath is a is um, a much better experience. This is the future of medicine, probably, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, rather than rather than just the um, the sickness system of, of treating symptoms. Yeah, yeah. But you have we need to work alongside medicine because they yeah. have developed some tremendous things. Well, I mean, the emergency the emergency medicine is fantastic. I know I benefited from that. You know, yes. over and over. So, and yeah. and just having an MRI, you know, being able to go and see what's inside yeah. my brain, identify that little, yeah, that little tumor. It was fantastic. But that's diagnosis, not treatment necessarily. But that is a lot of what medicine is about. Medicine yeah. is about diagnosis, which is why it blows me away that they haven't really gone and looked at what the cause of many of the symptoms that are caused by fluoride, yep. have not been looked at. Well, hopefully we're, we're raising the awareness of it for people who are tuning in now because it's never talked about 
on mainstream media. And if it is, it, you know, I can, I can say people like us are dismissed, right, as, yeah. you know, anti-science and all of that sort of stuff. But um, we'll see who gets the last laugh on that one. But um, good luck for your area. Thank and you. Um, so w- when does your book – you said two books. When does the first one come out, Key Flowers? Is it soon? Um, 20th of January. And people will be able to go online and yes. look and search for that? Yes. All right. Is there anything we missed? Um, Any final words you'd like to to say? I can give you a website, concordiahealth.co.nz. So there's Thank that. you. Thank you. Yeah, there's just one, one other thing. Although we weren't going to talk about the COVID, yeah. I wanted to tell you that um, during the COVID years, I made a homeopathic medicine called SPOKE, which stands okay. for Spike Protein OK Everywhere. This is Intentional Grace. Okay. I have an intention. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I've sent it out to over 850 people, families around New Zealand who have had either adverse reactions to the vaccines or from shedding or from COVID itself. Okay. Yep. And it's it seems to have worked really well. Okay. So there is some hope. There is some hope. And people can find it on my website, concordiahealth.co.nz. Nice one, Angela. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on. Angela here from Hastings, homeopath and intentional grace practitioner. It's all in the intent, is it? The intent. The intention is really important. Yeah. You know, your intention and being a um, media that is willing to talk about anything is important. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you for the good work you do. Thank you. I guess we're kind of a little bit like intentional grace. Absolutely. And what we're trying to to put out there, you know, and and it's up to people to to take it as they they see fit. All right, uh, Angela here. Thanks for coming on. And uh, maybe we'll chat again. All the best. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.